shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking okay, shit Okay, welcome show. back to Shit Show Saturday. We have Shit Show Lisa from Jersey. Hey. <laughs> Um, are we are we going like with Springsteen or what are we doing here for your song, my dear? Uh, let me tell you, I do not dislike Bruce Springsteen. Okay. However, apologies, Dominic, if you're listening. Go ahead. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't dislike him. He's very talented, but it's just too much the hype. I just, I you know, how do you I feel see- about Billy Joel? I love Billy Joel. Okay, me too. I'm a Billy Joel freak. I'm seeing him on the 22nd. Nice I- at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. I saw him when I was 18 years old, and it's the same concert. You know, mm-hmm. it's the and I can't wait to. Uh, I can't. What's wait your favorite song? What's your favorite Billy Joel song? Oh, an Italian restaurant. Yeah, that's my go-to because that's like three songs in one. You know what is one song that I feel like doesn't get yeah. a lot of recognition? Is what about Billy the Kid? You see, I don't even remember Billy the Kid. Oh, you'll have to listen to it. Ooh. I mean, I'm sure I know it. I'm sure I know it, but yeah. Okay, so what's your song going to be? My song? Mm-hmm. What song do you want played when you walk into a room, Lisa? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, this girl is on fire. Carbohydrate. So I do like cheesecake, and there's a place down for me that sells a crumb cheesecake that's mm. so i would say tell like me more that, it's so good this this it's an italian bakery down the street from me and what um, is a crumb cheese is it just more crust is it has like a crumb crust or what italian cheesecake so on the bottom of an italian cheesecake is this like foam yeah cake. yeah and then the cheesecake part which is regarded cheese yeah and top is this crumb mm. and it's hard so like when I eat it, I sort of turn mm. it on and then I dig into the crumbs first and I eat the crumbs and then I turn it back up and I eat the rest of it. And okay. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at a picture that looks amazing. Um, cheese. Lots of different cheeses. Uh, I like, I like brie mm-hmm. and I like Gouda mm-hmm. and yeah, cheeses. I, I can eat any kind of cheese. Cheese yeah. is life. Cheese is good. Mm-hmm. Cheese. cheese is a shit. Condiment. Uh, condiment, mayonnaise, butter. Butter. But you're not going to pick craft mayonnaise, are you? Absolutely not. Okay, because I would kick you out. Are you Wait. Italian? I am not Italian. What's your background? So my dad was born in England. So his entire side of his family is from England. And... um. And then my mom, German, Swedish. So that's pretty much it. Okay. So how do you find out that you were an adult child? Well, it's interesting because I've, so I've been in therapy forever. Before I got into AANA recovery, you know, I would go to a therapist and I would not tell them anything. You know, I would just be dishonest and that didn't work. When I finally got in, <laughs> didn't work. Imagine so, that. Yeah. When I finally did get into recovery, I um I started seeing a therapist who I adore. I saw one woman and then she was in the rooms and I didn't want to see her anymore. So I ended up seeing someone else who was referred to me. I was going to him for eight years. He gave me a book once because he would always go into his cabinet and pull out books and like mm-hmm. read. 
and he shared um, Adult Trials of uh, Alcoholics book with me. And I the Jan- Janet's book, Dr. Janet Wotitz's book. No, I, is it that? I don't know. It was a small, it was a small book. It was mm-hmm. like a paperback and there were the traits there and the black mm-hmm. and white. It wasn't the laundry list and all that. It was different. But anyway, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, okay, well, that makes sense because of course I'm an adult child of an alcoholic because I grew up with you know, alcoholic. So I was interested that we would talk about behaviors. We would talk about my past. Um, we would talk about why I have the belief system I have, but we never really talked about me as a child of an alcoholic. And so hmm. I think I knew it, but I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't mm-hmm. really know that there was something I could, like, like maybe I knew there was some type of program, but no one ever really talked about it. So yeah, I think I always knew, but didn't really understand it enough to realize how much it was I impacting fit. you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you've been sober for 10 years, 10 years, August 2nd. Yep. That's amazing. What did you, had you tried to get, had you been in and out of the rooms for a while? No, I, so I, it was for me, it was mostly alcohol. I drank from the time I was a kid. And Uh um, what happened was because of it being alcohol and because of the fact that I used it, like my mom died when I was 32, you know, I grew up the way I grew up. So I was always using alcohol to, you know, just to numb myself mm-hmm. and I would use other things too, you know, mm-hmm. whatever I would use. But, um, so, you know, when I, when I finally, when I finally just couldn't, st- I mean, I really couldn't stop because it became, you know, it, it stopped being, just an emotional thing. It stopped mm-hmm. psychological became physical. Yeah. Became a physical addiction. Mm-hmm. And I like I always would say oh, I could stop any time, but then, you know, I actually tried once and that was it. So I was done when I was done. You know, I'm I was 51 years old and I was very sick at that time. You know, my life had become a real shit show. I was in a relationship with a shit show. My entire existence was misery. I I hated everything about myself. And I was just, I was sort of ready to just get help. Yeah. Were you, were you all in from the beginning? I was all in from the beginning. And I was such a star student because, you know, I am a star student. So when it came to recovery, I was a star student as well. Um, you know, I remember doing step work and, you know, typing it. I typed it so it was you know perfect and I think I expected a grade you know but I'll tell you though the recovery you know it's I've learned so much and I would never ever ever you know I think that if I had discovered ACA before now I don't know I would have yeah been ready you know like I I would I don't know if I was ready exactly Mm -hmm. because uh because I needed to be really into that program mm-hmm. at a point where, and I don't want to say I'm not in because I am, I need to, and I know I can't ever forget that I can't ever drink or do any other mind or mood altering substances other than cheesecake. But, you know, I've just, I've realized the way, you know, this program has, especially the spiritual bypassing, like mm-hmm. what I've done 
you know, I've uncovered all this stuff, but what I have done is I've jumped from, um, you know, I've jumped from like acceptance of things, not digging deep enough into forgiveness and never really doing what needed to be done on the inside, like in between mm-hmm. and not feeling well, like I was feeling great for like eight years. And then the past couple of years, I was just feeling like what? just not okay. And I kept doing more step work and, you know, getting more commitments and sponsoring more people and doing all this stuff. And uh, it wasn't working for me. It's almost and like gaslighting in a way, you know, it, it is it's like self gaslighting. It really is. And I mean, yeah. And I owe that program. Like I owe, I owe that program my life, but in another, but, but on another hand, it's kept me sick. Mm-hmm. It really has. Yeah. And I feel the same exact way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, and I hear people sometimes, you know, cause I go to meetings because I need to still go to meetings and, you know, I listen to things and, and I just want to scream sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to scream. Like, what are you talking about? Do you not even hear what you're saying? You know, and it's frustrating but I have to remember that, uh, you know, that's, that's what's going on with those people. And I'm just going to worry about me, you know? I always think back to when I had Dr. Drew on my podcast and he made the comment about how, like, we all have this stuff, like not like everybody in like AA and NA, like we all have this adult child stuff. It's just for some people, it's just not going to get painful enough to where they'd have to deal with it. You know, it's interesting because you know how we have our story and like, I'll go into a rehab or something and I'll share my story. And my story always starts out like with, I have the disease of addiction because I believe it manifests itself into every part of my life. You know, that's why I go to NA. I I do both, but like I go to NA because I sponsor women in NA, Mm -hmm. but, oh, and I always say, you know, I've, I always have said, like, I picked up for the first time, Mm. you know, Stuff that was going on but the reason I'm here is because I'm an addict not because of that stuff and that's mm-hmm. such <laughs> because I used for my entire life because mm-hmm. of and I know mm-hmm. I have addiction and I know the disease of addiction is a real thing but I used to to not feel to numb mm-hmm. and no, it was only until it became, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, but yeah. So I all, I do realize that sometimes um, I do realize that my story isn't what my story was, mm-hmm. you know, my story is changing, you know? Mm. What about when you did like your fourth and fifth step? Was there anything of note that came up related to your childhood? Just that my dad and I, that I can't stand my dad and he's an absent father emotionally, but the reality is like my mom too. Like I, I didn't even go deep into it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, you know, with that step work, first of all, I have no memory. I have very few memories of my childhood, mm-hmm. like very little memory. I, I, you know, I can remember maybe certain incidences, mm-hmm. but you know, I know what happened, mm-hmm. you know, I know that there was constant turmoil, mm-hmm. you know, abuse and, you know, terrible, terrible 
physical and emotional, you know, abuse that was ongoing, you know, mm -hmm. addiction, that compulsive gambler, my compulsive spender of the money that he would, you know, make and then, you know, lose her, lose, lose her mind when he wouldn't bring home money. And, you know, it was just always, always fighting. So did I go deep into it? You know, I didn't really go that deep into it. But what I did go right to, like I said to you, is, you know, well, they did the best that they could do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just like I'm a mom and I've done the best that I can do. And if I don't forgive and if I stay in this resentment, I'm going to use. I'm going mm -hmm. to. It's going to kill me. So I told myself that I forgave and maybe to an extent I've forgiven. Mm -hmm. But, and I don't even like, but I still like, I haven't felt those feelings. Yeah, exactly. I haven't gotten really sad. I can say I've gotten angry. I get angry, but I've never really felt those sad, sad feelings mm -hmm. along with growing up in that. Yeah. Before we actually started to record, record, we were talking about this, about the, the, the spiritual bypassing as far as the, and I think it talks about this in, um, there's a book called the laundry list that Tony a wrote. Mm -hmm. And he talks about that, about how the process of like, how you can't just go from like the awareness of like, Oh, my parents screwed me up to like, Oh, they did. They, you know, they're just a product of their own upbringing as well. So therefore all good and how we really do have to feel those those repressed emotions that were never felt you know that we have to get sad and that we have to get angry you know and two things my friend always reminds me like two things can exist at the same time mm -hmm. like they can they can you know yeah they i mean i don't think my parents set out to hurt me i don't think they wanted to hurt us mm -hmm. i mean who knows maybe they did who the hell knows but you know, that doesn't matter mm -hmm. right now. What matters is that I am still sick and suffering because I haven't gone through what I need to go through to deal with that mm -hmm. work. And I'm just starting. And um, that, you know, that book that I was referring to with the- um, No bad parts. Oh my gosh. Like it makes so much sense to me because- there are, you know, sometimes I'll think to myself on by some, you know, nothing like, I don't mean this in a negative way, like bipolar, you know, but sometimes I think that there's like, I have multiple personalities and it's because I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got multiple parts. <laughs> I've got these little multiple parts that are yeah. like against each other all the time. It mm -hmm. all makes sense now because I never understood it. Mm -hmm. you, you know, just, and you know, it's funny because my friend, a very good friend of mine had sent me one of your podcasts. Um, and that's your podcast, you know, adult child is really what had, you know, kept me just like wanting more, wanting more, wanting mm -hmm. more. And, um, you know, I, I, I talked to her a lot and I'm like, I want to find a therapist that's going to work with like that internal family system. And, you know, it's, you know, she keeps saying it's a process and just let things happen naturally and just, you know, don't try to navigate everything. And I get what she's saying, 
but I just really want somebody who's going to like, who can help me with this. Cause I feel like it's, I just relate to it so much, you know? Yeah. We just get that itch. I get the itch. I, you know, yeah. I mean, it's going to take a while for me to not want to get to the end of the story and have it all solved and just, you know, that's me, like what's going on, live in the solution, keep it moving. And that's where, that's how I ended up feeling the way I'm feeling. And that's why I continue to feel the way I feel because I'm, I'm just so focused on just figure out what's going on, do what you need to do and keep it moving. Move but it along. Move it along. I, I, I Moving it along has to happen. You know, the process has to be a little slower. I need to put some more thought into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you have siblings? I have a sister and brother. Both are younger. My brother died two years ago from, uh, he had cancer and died a couple of years ago. And what do you feel like your experience was like compared to your siblings growing up? Oh my gosh. So I was the oldest. Yep. Um, my mom was 17 years. She was 17 when she had me. My oh my was- gosh. So, I mean, that's my story too. My parents yeah. were kids. So they did them, you know, like they were kids. How old was your dad? Same age. They were young. Oh my gosh. My mom, you know, we talk, I didn't even know it had a name, parentification. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she, um, she made me her best buddy. You know, I think about it now, like my, um, like I, I would go out in the car, I would go shopping with her every day. Like I didn't hang out with my friends. Like we would get in the car and go do errands and things. Mm-hmm. My middle, she had more of a normal life. And my brother, I mean, I think it was normal as far as I could see what it looked like to me. Mm-hmm. And then my brother was very much affected um, as well as the youngest because my mom was you know, just, she, you know, it was her baby. They're, they're, they were really sick. You know, the two of them, my mom and dad, they were, and I always blame my dad more than my mom. I sort of, and I think, cause my mom died when she was young. So, mm-hmm. you know, I ate her like saintly mm-hmm. and I didn't really want to talk too much or admit that she had a lot of problems as well. I sort of had to find somebody that was the real cause of all the problems, but you know, as I, as I really look at this, I see that the two of them were just equally as insane. And, uh, yeah. So you mentioned gambling addiction with your dad. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And drinking, you know, and whatever else. And my mom, alcohol. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. And, uh, you know, it affected every part of my life. And, you know, it was the typical, you know, what it looks like on the outside mm-hmm. is not what's inside. I do, you know, like I never, I had a couple, I had one really good friend. Well, I had a couple really good friends, but one that was through school. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was like the only one who could ever come over or who I would allow to come over. and she saw what was going on. You know, she could be sitting in one of these meetings too. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure she was affected by what she saw. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just, everything was a secret. Nobody, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if it was a secret, but I know that the, the, what they wanted it to look like was that everything was normal on the, 
on the inside, but it, you know, it's, it was a mess. It was just a mess. And you had that awareness, like you, you, you knew that things weren't normal. Totally. I can remember a time when my mom and dad had a major fight physical and my mom just went nuts and it was horrible. It's hard for me to even talk about it, but I remember at the end of this fight, not long after, I can still remember standing in a hallway where something terrible had happened. And I was standing there and I see my parents like through the doorway in the kitchen, hugging each other. And I, I feel like I can feel like someone sitting on my chest right now as I'm talking about because I remember at that age and I was probably like 11 thinking this, like, this is so fucked up. Like what just happened? And now they're just acting like everything. nobody ever, nobody ever talked about anything. It just was okay. Well now it's over and let's just hug mm-hmm. and pretend it happened. Hmm. When did you start going to therapy? Well, you know, I went to therapy for years, like I said, while I was still, you know, using. So I'd say I started probably when my, when I was married to my kid's dad, you know, he was an alcoholic. And, um, you know, I went to therapy because I was trying to deal with him and I went to Al-Anon and all this. And, but I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't talking about anything that was relevant. I, I wasn't, I wasn't talking about anything. I didn't realize, I didn't realize I was in denial, whatever. So I'd say my real therapy started about two years clean, about in 2015. How old were your kids when you got divorced? So when I left my ex-husband, my daughter was almost three. Okay. And my was eight. And we were still legally married for a while, but that was it. I remember I got my 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 ex-husband and I had had a big fight. It was like the Super Bowl Sunday. He physically he he physically assaulted me, which he had never done before. And um he ripped off my nightgown. I'll never forget it. He physically assaulted me. And that was like, okay, that you know, the the disassociation. The fight or flight, he'll never fucking touch me again. And the next day I went and looked for a place to live. And I found a place really quickly and I took my kids and I left. And I had, you know, there was a lot of abuse up to that point. You know, emotional abuse, the alcohol. I had just started into like the, you know, I was drinking, but not to the point where he was drinking, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm of an alcoholic than I was mm-hmm. um you know all of that I dealt with but once his hands touched me that was that was it game over did he ever get sober oh no he died um he died five years ago from uh from from drinking from liver liver cirrhosis and yeah he was he died from the disease did, did your kids um, maintain a relationship with him? They loved their dad. And I mean, mm-hmm. I love, you know, their dad was not a bad person, mm-hmm. not at all. 
you know, I was never that person that kept them away from him. Maybe I should have, you know, when I, a lot of people said, whatever, doesn't matter what people said. I did not keep them from him, mm -hmm. even though he was drinking because I just didn't want them not to have their dad. Oh God. Yeah. You know, that was their choice. Um, you know, and they're living with, you know, they know, you know, they know I'm in recovery. They saw what happened to their dad and they too drink. And I, you know, I'm sure they're, I think they drink too much. I don't focus too much on what they do because I know I can't do anything about it, but they're, you know, their process is their process. It's a family disease. They know what's happened and they know where it can lead, but um, whatever happens, happens. Do you remember talking to them about your husband's drinking when they were a kid, when they were kids? I don't think I really, I think I sort of knew, like, I, I don't remember talking to them like this is terrible and he shouldn't be doing this mm -hmm. I know I try to do things to smooth things over or like I I, I wouldn't fight with him in mm -hmm. front of you know I tried to protect them mm -hmm. from it but you can't protect you know it was there it was obvious mm -hmm. and again it was I always had this idea because all I ever wanted, all I ever wanted was to have a family, mm. like a nice mm -hmm. normal. So I have what I think could be a nice normal family if this man would stop drinking. And I just wanted to protect that idea of what it could be if things were different. Mm. And, um, and as we know, you know, that's not how it works. So they saw it, you know, they saw it with their own eyes and they watched him die and they watched him get sick and, mm. you know, yeah. When you think about, you know, you said around eight years of sobriety and it's so interesting how many books talk about how it's five to 10 years. That's when this shit comes up, but where were you seeing it mostly or when you like think about the laundry list like what where do you think that this stuff was popping up the most for you in your life so definitely you know needing to control other people i actually i relate more to the other laundry list mm -hmm. yeah um i'm gonna pull that up let's pull that bad boy up interesting let's see here because i really thought i had it all together mm -hmm. and i really you know that's why when i was really didn't <laughs> you know i looked at that i was listening to your podcast today the one that i said i listened to from march i think it was mm -hmm. and you know that was me i thought i was so much more together than i really was mm -hmm. we inhibit our fear by staying deadened and numb we hate mm. oh my gosh we manage the massive amount of deprivation we feel coming from abandonment with the home and quickly letting oh my gosh that's me i let go of relationships that threaten my independence that have not too close i mean i'm finally dating somebody it's taken me so long mm. you know because i just i'm i just uh yeah so you're an avoidant I'm an avoidant. If it's not perfect, I'm going to look for, my daughter always says, you look for the one thing that's wrong with people. And I do it with friendships too. You know, I really struggle with relationships because I will look for the one thing 
that I can focus on that is wrong with the person. Now, uh-huh. not is anything wrong with them, but in my eyes, I'll find the thing that I just can't deal with. And that will be my reason to run away from it. Mm. You know, so um, I hate people who, I mean, I, you know, we talk about, so this was a real struggle with me coming in here. People who play the victim and beg to be rescued. Mm. And I had a really hard time even saying that I had been victimized mm. because in my mind, you know, that's a, like, I'm not a victim, you know, nobody's a victim, you know, get your, you know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and keep moving. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we make others feel guilty when they attempt to assert themselves. Well, I'm just a, yeah, I can be a, my, uh, <laughs> my ex, my most recent ex, cause I've had many relationships <laughs> over the years. He used to call me a bulldog. That was mm-hmm. his nickname, a bulldog. An inflated sense of self-worth. You know, I just, I don't say, I wouldn't say like inflated self sense of self-worth more than like just really thinking I know more than I know. Mm-hmm. I really, I just think I, you know, I know so much more than I know. So tell me about your relationship now. What has that been like dating? So I didn't, so, you know, I did date a little bit, you know, I'm not going to say I didn't date, but I was in a relationship, my last relationship before I got clean, I was with somebody for 15 years, we never married. And that was after my kid's dad. And he was a mental case, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> we were two crazies. Mm-hmm. We were, it was insane. Sicky doesn't pick a welly. Oh Lord. Yes, that's <laughs> very true. <laughs> so we were, it was just, it was nuts. And, um, you know, so we, we broke up and I, you know, I dated a little bit after I got clean. I picked, I did date someone on and off for a really long time who just wasn't the right person for me. He was not emotionally available, but I sort of knew it, but like mm-hmm. we did things together and I just did it anyway. So. I finally, I think, and I, so I met this guy a couple of years ago, randomly at a concert with my daughter. Um, he was sitting next to me. He and his son were sitting next to me uh, and my daughter. And he seemed like a really normal guy. And he asked me for, for my phone number. And I said, okay. I love that. I mean, it was really actually in the wild. A, like a real person. Yes. He's in recovery. He's like, um, He's very, I don't like, he just seems like a regular guy. Like he doesn't he have, likes you, Lisa. He likes me. And, <laughs> and, and he seems to accept me with my quirkiness, which I really like. And it took me a while because I did do what I always do, which is that looking for what I don't like and honing in on that and what's wrong with him. And I was sort of picking him apart. But as time has gone on and I'm getting to know him, I really do like like him. And I feel like now here's like me being afraid, you know, to say something because if I say it, I'm gonna jinx myself. Mm-hmm. I feel it could almost be a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like it could be a healthy relationship. I mean, compared to all the other relationships, this is super healthy. <laughs> But, you know, I know I'm, I'm still working on myself. How did Um, you disclose that you were in recovery to him? 
it was it was very easy. I didn't do it right away, you know, because I don't feel like everyone needs to know everything about me right away. I used to, you know, that's changed. <clears throat> so this is what I one of the things I really liked about him. You know, we went out and he asked me what I wanted to drink. And I said, you know, I'll have a club soda with lime in. Mm -hmm. And he didn't ask me why. Mm -hmm. He just said, OK. Mm -hmm. And I think he ordered himself a soda or something. And he never asked me why I didn't drink. He would have a glass of wine and he would say, you know, maybe with dinner, one glass, just one glass of wine. You know, maybe he wouldn't even finish it. And he didn't say, you sure you don't want to drink or mm. drink? And I thought, okay, he's not an alcoholic because I know that, you know, he's not so that was good and like I and finally I told him one day I said you know I am in a program of recovery I said I used to drink too much and um I don't drink anymore and I haven't had a drink in 10 years and he was fine with it you know because he doesn't he's, you know, he doesn't have a problem he doesn't, doesn't care problem. it's not a big deal to him exactly I mean you know how you date somebody and you go out and they're like why don't you drink as they're on their like fourth glass of wine <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah so that was so pleasant and refreshing you know I love that there's people out there that uh, there's a lot of people out there that normies you know, in, in my observation <laughs> there's a lot of normies out there and there's also a lot of people that drink a lot and they don't know that they drink a lot mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. have you opened up with him about any of this adult child stuff I haven't yet I mean, he sees some of my books lying around. Uh -huh. We talk, you know, he likes to hear, he likes, he likes when I, he likes talking to me because he's very, um, he's just, he's very, he's like a numbers guy. He's not a real deep thinker type of person. So mm -hmm. when we have our conversations, he, he thinks I'm, um, he used to work. I can't think of the word. Like I've, like I, I work on myself. He likes the fact that I'm working on myself. Mm -hmm. So, and it's interesting. It's interesting, you know. And I like the fact that he's not working on himself. I like the fact that he's just okay the way he is, and yeah. he just does thing, and he goes to work, and he talks about his annoying coworkers, and you know, he doesn't have to get deep into it. Where I have to, you know, we have to have a session. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so where have you noticed, where have you noticed like changes in yourself as far as like how you're showing up in the world, whether that's like at work or in your relationship with him, or even in like 12 step meetings, like since having the realization about this adult child stuff. So how I'm changing is I'm being more honest with myself about my feelings. Mm -hmm. I'm not, and this is not like I say this, like it's nothing. Like it takes a lot of work yes. talking to other people and thinking about it. And, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not making excuses for the way I feel. I'm not trying to talk myself out of my feelings. I've noticed changes with friendships, mm. you know, 
tell you, I've really struggled. I really struggle with relationships and it's not only romantic relationships. You know, I've always struggled with relationships mm -hmm. and, you know, I've always seemed to gravitate towards relationships that cause me some heartache. Mm. And what I'm realizing now is that I have to trust my gut. I always, this process is, is helping me to like, listen to my body. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not feeling, if I'm not feeling right, rather than telling myself, you're imagining it, this isn't real, you're overly instinctive, this is your disease of addiction, trying to isolate you from other people, like all of this stuff that I've been telling myself, I'm actually listening to it. And I'm realizing that like what I'm feeling is triggering something in me that is not there's something not safe about certain situations and you know i'm reevaluating relationships in my life and i you know i have to really you know i've come to realize i don't need to have a million people in my life mm -hmm. i need you safe friendships in my life and that's what i'm looking for safe safe people and who aren't going to judge me and who aren't yes and who care about how i feel yeah you agree with me but if you care you don't have to agree with me like we're two different you know we're different people we don't have to agree on everything but if you genuinely care for my feelings and I genuinely care for yours like that's a meeting of the that's a meeting right there that's that's important what have your what have your conversations looked like with your sponsor like since you've dove into this stuff so does she you know, get it she gets it a little bit. I think she's afraid of what she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually going to go to a concert with her tomorrow night. We have a two and a half ride to Long Island from what here. What are you guys going to? Going to see Old Dominion. So we're going to a, um, you know, we're going to be in the car for two hours. I want to talk to her more about this. I've been doing a couple meetings. Like I've been doing an, an ACA meeting in person. I've been uh -huh. doing your groups i've been mm -hmm. doing another aca meeting but i'm still doing my i try to get to one aa meeting a woman's meeting once a week and i try to get to my home group na meeting once a mm -hmm. week so you know i'm not as involved in my other program mm -hmm. but i when i go some you know i i need to be where i'm feeling better so when i talk to her you know i I'm going to share a little bit more about it, but I don't know if she understands. And I think she's afraid that I'm, I think she wants me to just stay where I am, mm -hmm. you know, but we'll see. Hmm. Yeah. And that has more to probably do with her than you. Yeah. I mean, it does. It's fear. And I just, I just need to, do the I need to do more work, you know, and that what I've been doing so far just hasn't hasn't cut it, you know. Mm -hmm. I do. I know that very well. Mm. It's interesting how things shift and change, and um, yeah, just think about some of the friendships that I've had with people in the program, and kind of, mm, it freaks them out a little bit what I'm doing. 
I think that if I were to share this with the wrong people, it would freak them out. Mm -hmm. I think that I have chosen who to share what I'm doing with mm -hmm. because I want I don't want to, I don't, I don't really want anyone to tell me that I shouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. I don't, not looking for a debate or a, you know, I'm not looking for your, anyone's opinion. You know, I know what I'm doing is what I need to be doing. And maybe I don't feel strong enough in my own or secure enough to, I don't want to go back and forth with somebody, mm -hmm. you know, so I'll just, I'll do what I need to do. Of course, I'm going to talk to my sponsor, but I do have other people that I do share this with. And these are people that are, are close, but it's only a couple. Mm -hmm. Was your friend that shared the podcast with you? Is she somebody in the program? She is. Mm -hmm. And thank God for her because, you know, I had called her one day on my way home. I was on my way home after all of my visits from work and I just felt so, so sad. And I couldn't figure out why I felt so mm -hmm. sad. And I had been, I'm working in an area now where, you know, I visit um, patients in an area where I used to live in my former life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it occurred to me that I had never really grieved any loss of any of my past life. Like when I came into this, when I came, when I got clean, I just basically like, I did what they say, like everything changed. I moved, I, you know, I, I stayed away from the old people, like everything changed. And I gave up an entire life because I thought that I was supposed to, and I had to. And at that point, I'm glad I did, mm -hmm. but what I, I never went through any kind of grieving process. And I remember calling her that one day because it just hit me that I had taken basically my entire life and just put it in a little box and stuck it in a corner and told myself that everything about my life was horrible before mm -hmm. I came into the program. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah, there's a lot of really bad stuff, but not everything is bad. And mm -hmm. uh, and I I just need to work on that. And, uh, you know, she had shared some of her stuff with me because I know she was going to CODA and that was, mm -hmm. you know, work certain degree and then she had been introduced to ACA so I'm just so grateful for her because I don't know if I would have if she hadn't sent me some information and started sending me these podcasts you know as soon as I started listening to them I said oh my gosh this is it this is it yeah this is yeah it's so relieving to like finally figure it out you know it is, it is, you know, it's, and to listen to, you know, when you're in a, when you're in a, a program, you know, like AA or NA, you know, the identification, you know, is there with feelings, but this is different, mm -hmm. different. I agree. You know, people talk and, and, you know, they share like, the situations are just so similar mm -hmm. boggling and the way we think. And yeah. Mm, yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Give me three things that you like about yourself. So my hair, mm -hmm. beautiful, great hair. Everyone loves my hair. And so do I, I. Love it too. Thank you. It looks really bad right now. Cause I guess she cut it a little too short, but that's okay. It'll grow. Um, <laughs> I, I like the fact that I am compassionate and caring and, um, I like the fact that 
you know, that I can show up for people today. You know, I like being, I, the things I hate about myself are the things I like about myself sometimes, you know, like I, I care deeply for people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that can hurt me, mm -hmm. but I don't really want to ever care less. Yeah. 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 I yeah. I think I'm just a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good friend. I'm a good mom. I'm a good person. I love um, hearing this, Lisa. No, because yes, you, you are. I am a good person. And I, yeah, I am. Mm. And I'm worthy of good stuff. Yes, you are. I love hearing that. Um, hope or dream for the future. So I'd like to be able to retire and travel. Mm hmm I'd like to go to Italy soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where I'd else? Like, you know, Greece. Mm -hmm. Italy and Greece have been on my wish list. Yeah. Does yeah. your boyfriend like to travel? Is he your he, boyfriend? He is. He's my boyfriend. Okay. Yeah, he's my What's boyfriend. His name? What's his first name? Jerry. Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> oh, my God. Jerry. Yeah. How often we, do you guys see each other? So he lives in Pennsylvania. He lives like oh. an hour, hour and 10 minutes away from me. So it's worked out really well because we couldn't like get kooky crazy in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So we see each other about once a week now mm -hmm. and it's a very slow. It's been a very healthy situation. And um, where does he live in Pennsylvania? He lives close to Ambler. Okay outside of philly mm -hmm. and i love philly me too yeah actually an article there's going to be an article about me in the inquirer next week oh really yeah very nice yeah ambler Good. yeah i need yeah. to go i need to go back and visit you're from philly yeah bread bar ever heard of it now where is that exactly it's 30 minutes from philly okay yeah so are you like like we're main. by Doyletown? No, it's like the main line, um, like Villanova. Uh, went to Villanova. You went to Villanova? He did. Oh, he did. Yeah, yeah. It's right, yeah, close to there. Yeah. So yeah, it's like just a little like north northwest of the city. Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful. Have you ever been to? <laughs> it's so good. Like the out there where I I didn't realize how beautiful it was when I was growing up. You know. Mm hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like going there. You know, he comes here in the summer because the weather and the, you know, we, we go to the beach. I live right by the beach. But once this time of year comes, I like going how long, there. How far are you from the city? From New York City? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I mean, driving about an hour, ferry about, you know, a half an hour. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. So not far at all. Not far at all. Well, I'm so love, grateful that you, you came, you popped in. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Love having you. Yeah. It was nice. A nice addition. Yeah. And thank you. I oh love when God. people come in and they feel comfortable right away. And that's really makes me feel good. I feel so comfortable. So comfortable. I feel like I'm, I found a good place to be. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good bunch. It is.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.